Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. We got a couple things that we want to do before I get into my message today. Uh, the first one is something that's very, very special, and I'm very uh, honored and happy to do this. I want to uh, invite my brother and sister, Bill and Sue Frank, to come to the stage if they would. Amen. Come on up. I know they're, they're probably going, what is going on? Amen. But they are very special people. Um, this is, I, is it today is your wedding anniversary? The 18th, they will be married 50 years. Amen. Give them a hand. Hallelujah. This, is a, this couple is a very special couple to me. First of all, you need to know that this couple has the distinction of being in this church the longest. I don't believe there's anybody here that has been in this church longer. I think you guys came like in 1981 or something like that, or 80. Yeah, and to go back 1980. And so it goes a long ways back. But Bill and Sue, uh, they, back in the day when I was just a wee tadpole, uh, in the ministry, uh, uh, they had a Bible study in their home, and they were uh, the uh, leaders of the Bible study that I was the assistant of. <laughs> Amen. I was for a long time the assistant of everybody, um, but Bill and Sue have made a, 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 a big difference those, those years when um, I was dating Kathy and Bill was keeping me out of trouble, and, and uh, uh, when I had to have long talks, he would help and uh, keep me out of trouble, but... Um, and I always made, Sue will remember this, I always made what I make, macaroni and cheese with chunks of ham in it when we had a potluck at their house. And so we go back, history goes way back, and we love this couple. And they are so faithful, and you, you guys have, have graced our church, and, and uh, your uh, input in this, just your presence in the church is enough. But you don't leave it at that. You, you serve, Bill serves in Jacob's Ladder. He helps with, with us with maintenance and just other stuff. Sue is involved in nursery. And for years, you guys were involved in worship. And, and just uh, all that you do, your family's here. And, and we just so appreciate you and love you. And so what we want to do is just honor you. We, we got a card for you and just a token of our appreciation to you. But more than that, what we wanted to do is just pray over you. And we want to pray that the next 50 years, is better than the first 50 years. I'm not sure how old you will be, Bill, when you, I think somewhere around 200. Uh, but, uh, um, <laughs> and Sue will still be 29. I don't, I don't get that. But, uh, but we do want to pray over you, and we just want to believe God for blessings. So would you guys stretch your hand forward as we pray? Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for this precious couple. We thank you, God, for all that they do. God, we thank you for their lives, their testimony. We thank you for their faithfulness, God, in our congregation. Lord, these are truly, truly pillars in the congregation of New Life Church. And Lord, we thank you for their marriage as an example of, of what is truly possible when you live your life for Jesus. It's not been easy. Lord, there's been ups and downs and bouncing around, but Lord, we've always trusted you and it's always come back to where you have given us the strength to be who you called us to be. And so, Father, we do pray, and I, I know it sounds uh, facetious, but I pray for the next 50 years, Lord, is if that's what you would give them, Lord. We, we pray that your hand would be upon them, bless them and use them, God, and strengthen them, God, that the next 50 years would be better than the first, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look what the Lord has done. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. What a, what a blessing they are. Now before, once again, I got one other thing that I want to do before uh, we get into our message today. Um, I want to make an announcement. This is a church-wide announcement of a new thing that we're going to begin to do. Um, uh, so the church is growing, amen? We're seeing lots of new people come in, and, and uh, uh, there always needs to be a system whereby we can help our church come together better. And so one of the things that we've identified as a, a real need here is connection. 
and uh, being able to come together as a family. And, and oftentimes, uh, when, as the church will get bigger and things grow, oftentimes that's when things start to disconnect. And so what we have to do is we have to be deliberate. And so we're starting a process, if you will, or a system. I don't exactly know what the right adjective there is, but it's a way of connecting, and it's going to be called Life Track. And so what we're doing, you're going to see it here if they'll put it up on the, on the board or on the screen, uh, Life Track. And so what this is, Life Track is our, we're, it's obviously our name is New Life, and so we're using New Life and Life, that's all the things. So there is a series of five classes. There's actually a little bit more than that, and I'll explain as we go, but five categories. And so the first one being New Life 101, which is our New Believers class. And so we are starting on April 3rd, which is uh, the first Sunday in April. We are beginning what's called a New Believers class. So if you've been uh, saved for less than you know a few months or whatever, or if you're here and you go, I don't know if I ever had that foundational truth. We, we want to begin to give you that. Now, this is going to be a four-week class, so it's only four weeks, and we know that in four weeks we cannot build the Christian foundation, but what we can do is give you enough information to give you a good, healthy shove forward to help you, to help you understand what you did when you got saved, to help you understand the importance of church fellowship, reading the Bible, prayer, and baptism. And so we've developed this class, and that's going to begin April 3rd, and it will be at 9 o'clock in the morning, probably in room number 6. We'll let you know next week exactly when that is or where that's at. Uh, but if you'd like to go that, we would love for you to come. The next class is uh, New Life 201, which is going to be uh, New Life DNA. And so you say, this is a one-time only class. Say, what is New Life DNA? New Life DNA is to communicate to those that are coming in that are new to our church uh, what this church is, what, what we stand for, our mission, our vision, um, our values, our goals, um, our belief system, all, the, all those things that make us who we are. And so, again, this is something that if you'd like to come, you can be a part of this. So New Life 201 will begin on uh, April 3rd as well. But this is just a one-time class. So you go through it one time, and there, it's just that time, and that'll be on Sunday at 9 o'clock. Then there is New Life 301, which is New Life Connect. And so what New Life Connect is, it's a one-time class, and what that is, is that shows you how to get connected in this church, whether that's the life groups we have available, the ministries, the things that you can be involved in, or how you volunteer. How can I get involved in volunteering in this church? One of the things that we have struggled with over the years is, is this, this portion of connection. And so this is relatively new to us, and so we are developing this and going to do our very best at it. And so that will begin, so then on, so what, the way this will work, New Life 201 will be on the 3rd, so New Life 301 then would be on the, sev or on the um, 10th, uh, Sunday the 10th. And then New Life 201 would be on the 17th, and 301 would be on the 24th. And so th each month we'll have those twice, whereas New Life 101 will go through the whole month. At the end of New Life 101, we'll have a baptismal service. And our hope is we just are bringing people in, and people are getting saved and baptized, and, and we'll do it on a Sunday morning. We'll set the tank right up here, and we'll, we'll have a good old time. Can you say amen? So those are the regular classes. Those will be going every month. Those will be rotating on. And as we get this more and more into our culture, we'll understand it. And, and, and we'll be talking this all the time. So every service, you're going to probably hear about New Life or new, tra new Life Track. And so we'll be talking about that all the time. Now, there are two more classes. The next one is New Life 401. These are quarterly classes. These will happen probably the frequency will be once a quarter. So New Life membership. So we are going to membership, formal membership. We've never had formal membership in this church before, but we are going to that. Uh, our first class will probably be outside of the cycle uh, in the sense that we'll be doing it as a church-wide thing. So anyone that wants to be a member can come and we'll do that and we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But then as this gets going, then every quarter, people that want to be members, they can come in and, and, and do that class. The next one, this is uh, New Life 501 and it's New Life Leadership. 
So this, is a, this class is also a four-week class. The, the 201, 301, 401 are one time only. 501 is a, a four-week class. And what this is, is to communicate the expectations of leadership in our church. So if you come to me or any other pastors and say, hey, you know, I would like to lead a Bible study or I would like to lead a ministry or whatever, then we want to be able to communicate to you what we are expecting and what we're looking for in that leadership. And so we've, we've, we've put those in order as we, obviously, so somebody can get saved and literally go through the process and come into a place where leadership, and obviously there's a lot of time involved in that, but we're doing this because we want to be more deliberate about what we're doing. Does that make sense? And so we want to connect people. And so uh, we wanted to announce this to you, let you know what's coming on in, the, in April, and then we will be making more and more announcements as we go. And so there are going to be new things that are going to be coming up because we need to meet the challenge of this next generation. And so uh, I, I hang on because it's going to get really good. Can you say amen? Praise God. God is so good. So you, that's, that's that, and, and certainly I know there's probably lots of questions, and we'll be answering those as we go. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me over to uh, the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We're going to be looking at two verses of Scripture, and we're going to begin there. And the reason that we're going to begin there and we're going to look at this verse is because I want to make this very clear, that God has made the way for us absolutely clear. Can you say amen? amen? You know, a lot of times I think in Christianity, I, I hear all the time, and sometimes I feel this in my own life, I'm, I'm kind of like, what is God up to? You know, where am I at in all of this, and what's happening, and I feel a little bit undone and all of that. But the truth is, God has made it very, very clear for us. So I want you to look at this. Now, oftentimes, I want to say this to you, oftentimes, scriptures that we read over and over again, we can lose our uh, uh, appreciation for their significance simply because of familiarity. Have you ever heard the term uh, familiarity breeds contempt? So in other words, what it really boils down to is when you get used to something, it doesn't have the same feeling it had before. You get desensitized, as it were. And if we're not careful, certain scriptures in the Word of God we can be desensitized by. Think about this one, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everything about the gospel is contained in that one verse, that one verse of Scripture. It talks about God's uh, passion. It talks about his love. It talks about his motivation. It talks about how he, he worked that out. It, it, it talks about our lot. It talks about everything we need to know. But oftentimes, John 3.16 gets spilled out or, or, or confessed in a way as if, yeah, 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 I know that. For God so loved the world. And the problem is, is we can even misinterpret it. We could come to a place, well, yeah, you love the world, but does he love me? And the, the reality is, is we lose sometimes the emphasis on some of these scriptures just simply because we've heard it so often. And so uh, the portion of scripture we're about to read is one of those scriptures that if you're not careful, you can lose the, the significance of what God is saying to us for our daily lives. Amen? So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, reading from the New American Standard. It says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them... You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, I need you to pay attention to this. Listen to what he's saying. By his own glory, the weight of his glory, and his excellence, by them, because he says, for by these. What is the these about? It's about the glory and excellence. By the glory and the excellence of God, he has granted or given or caused to flow on a continual basis 
his great and precious and magnificent promises so that by them, by what? By the promises, by these great and precious and magnificent promises that you would become partakers of the divine nature. This is powerful because everything we need is contained right here. In fact, he says this, everything. He says to us, I have given you everything. I have granted to you everything. I looked up the word everything in the Greek, and you know what it means? Everything. I sat down and I I thought, man, I'm going to get me a revelation. I'm going to get one of those word studies. I'm going to do the exegesis on it, and and I'm going to just study this dude out, and I'm going to find some deep, deep, dark, you know, uh, unheard of revelation about, you know, everything. And every, every commentary, every dictionary I went to, do you know what the Greek word everything means? Everything. So it seems to me that God said what he meant and meant what he said. And he said to us, by this, he says, I've given you everything that pertains what? To life and godliness. So we are without excuse. We have everything we need to be and to do what God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. Can you say amen? We have it. We have it all. He says, I've got you on a pathway. I've got you in a a progress of you little by little, line by line, precept by precept, coming into becoming more like me through my divine nature. He says, what I'm doing, he says, my glory and my excellence. You gotta get this. I, I know that I'm belaboring the point. It's on purpose, so just go with it. By my glory and my excellence, by this thing that's in heaven, that's untouchable, it's unearthly, if you will, it's spiritual in nature, by his own, not someone else's, not by yours, not by the church's, but by his own glory. His own excellence. He has granted to us precious and magnificent promises. So by them, what? By the realization and the walking in of those, we would become partakers of the divine nature. Which causes us to escape the corruption that is in this world by lust. That's powerful, folks. That's a key. That's, that's one of those ones you put on your, on your bathroom. You should write it in red lipstick on your bathroom mirror so that you could see it every morning when you're brushing your teeth. And you go, you know what? That's my word for the day. But in all of that, I have a question for you. I have a question for you this morning. And before you answer it, in fact, I don't want you to answer it. Please do not shout it out. I want you to think about it. It's a rhetorical question. It's a thinker. It's one of those that you ponder. It's a question that I've asked many times before in this congregation, but I think it's a question that needs to be asked over and over again. And here it is. Can God be trusted? Are you thinking? Or are you wondering what I'm doing? See, this question is a question that we all at one time or another have grappled with, all of us. And we have all arrived at various conclusions, but the question remains, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? I mean really trusted. I'm not talking about the religious, yeah, we trusted God, or on your money in God we trust. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about really trusted. Can God be trusted? See, the problem is, is we know the right answer, but what is the real answer? You go, what do you mean by that? See, the right answer is what you tell people when you're trying to impress them. The right answer is who you are when you are all alone and life is coming down around your ears. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be one of them, isn't it? No, no, it get, it get, it, it, we kind of go down into, you know, in, and then we come back up. It's really good, trust me. 
See, we all have deep encounters with God where he breaks into our lives with power and grace, answering our prayers in ways that are at times nothing short of miraculous. And in those time, times, he wins our trust and he causes our faith to grow beyond comprehension. But then there are seasons in our lives, in all of our lives, when chaos rolls in like a rogue wave, leaving us shattered and broken it can be physical, a physical diagnosis that threatens our lives, or it can be a significant setback in our finances or on our job, or it can be the loss of a significant relationship through rejection or betrayal or death. It can be times of unrelenting uh, darkness, spiritual heaviness, and profound temptation. It can be times of unanswered prayer. And the list could go on and on, and we've all experienced that. It. It, it can also be times, listen to me, church, it can also be times when we're going through what I call the doldrums. Do you know what the doldrums are? The doldrums are actually a real place on the planet. They are a place, the doldrums are a place in the ocean where the wind does not blow very often. In fact, it's absolutely dead calm. And back in the day when, when, when sailors had to depend on the power of the wind to get their boats going, they dreaded the doldrums because what would happen is they would oftentimes sail into these areas. The wind would stop and sometimes they would be stuck there for weeks if not months consuming resources and going nowhere. Oftentimes life is like that for Christians I could tell you this, oftentimes in marriages, it's like that. Because sometimes what happens is we come into a place where we just don't feel it anymore. We just, we, we, you know, it's like what I said in the beginning, we've kind of grown accustomed, we've grown desensitized in the, the wonder, the magic, the snap, the spark, the, the, it just, it's like, yeah, I could take church or leave it, you know, Whatever. You know, I, I just, I don't always understand that guy, and man, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, the music is good, and, you know, but he really likes to preach long, and so, you know, I like to get to Chili's before the crowd shows up, and I, I just, you know, I, man, if that dude would just, you'd think a guy as big as he is, he wouldn't preach that long, because he's got to be hungry, and, you know, on and on. You know, those are the doldrums. Those are the doldrums, Right? It's those moments in marriage when, have you ever, I'm going to pick on marriage a little bit. Can I do that? Is that all right? Okay, have you ever come to a place, don't say it out loud if it has, but have you ever come to a place in marriage, it's like, I don't even know if I love this person. You're, you're laying there in bed, you're not going to sleep, and you look over and you go, really? <laughs> I, don't, don't shoot the messenger, man. I... Come on. There's moments when you just don't feel it anymore, and you're like, I, I don't even know what's going on. It's called the doldrums, and they are a, it is a real place. And so the question is, when you're there, when you're there, or how about when you're in a situation where you don't understand what's happening. Somebody said something, and you don't understand it. And it feels like an attack, but it's like, why are they attacking me? It's in that place. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? The point is, in these difficult seasons of life, it can be really extremely hard to understand what's going on. And God can seem absent, he can seem aloof, he can seem disconnected, unconcerned, and even, even at times neglectful. And all of God's people, every one of us, have at some time or another gone into that lonely, disorienting, weary wilderness. Listen to what David says, and I love the Psalms. The reason I love the Psalms is because I love the honesty. See, I, I, I really believe that we ought to be positive in our confession. I believe we ought to be positive in our preaching and all of those things, but I, I, not at the sacrifice of being real. Okay? And, you, and so you, we say, what do you mean by that? I think we have to get really honest about some of the difficulties we live through. Because if we don't get honest about the difficulties, what happens is we neglect or ignore or try to hide from the difficulty. 
And it continues to exist, but we just pretend like it don't. So I love the Psalms because David was honest. Listen to Psalm 13, 1 and 2. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Now, if you go on in the rest of the psalm, you'll also notice David talks as, as passionately about the victory as he does the struggle. But the thing that I love about him is he does not ignore the struggle. What he does is he says, there's a real struggle, and what I've got to do is I've got to trust my God in this because I am under real attack. I am really feeling something, and there's something going on here. And I wonder how many times we have felt this way with life not making sense, where we can't get a grip on things, and we cry out to our Heavenly Father, and we sit before heaven waiting for an answer. And it's in that period of silence that we can become frustrated, vexed, and even angry. And we want to look up into heaven and scream out, God, <coughs> don't you know I have a problem? Don't you know that something's going on? Come on, church, it, it's, it's real. So, look, at I, you, the thing is, is, is it, it, let me just get some real examples, okay? Here's a, here's a real example that most Christians struggle with. The Bible is extremely clear about God's ability and desire to heal. The Bible says specifically that Jesus took the stripes upon his back for our healing. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That is also followed up in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 26, where he says that, you know what, by his stripes you were healed. And to, make it, and to make it even more clear, Jesus says of himself, he says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up just like the serpent in the wilderness. And if you remember the story, the children of Israel had gone sideways and a curse was brought upon them and they cried out, fiery serpents were biting them and they become sick and they were dying. And Moses went to God and said, what am I going to do about this? And God says, make a, make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and raise it up. And everybody that looks at the serpent will be healed and forgiven. And then Jesus goes all the way back to that example. It says, just as the serpent was raised in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be raised. Why? So when you look to the cross, you will see and you will receive healing and salvation for your soul. But yet, we sit and struggle. We sit and I'm not healed. In December 2020, I was diagnosed and actually had the test, COVID, and I lost my taste and my smell. It's a drag. I have not received it back. This is... 2022, I could taste a little bit. And like I told you, I've told you before, every now and then I have random smells. I'll go with a week where everything smells like Fruit Loops or Cracker Jacks. Or, you know, I, I, I think my nose is telling what my nature is. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 what, was the, what, was the, what was the last one? The box, the cereal, what was the last one that I smelled? You know, Kathy, come on. You do know. She knows. See? Uh, she knows. What was it? I don't remember. Anyway, neither of us can remember. But the reality is I, I could smell those smells, but it's getting old. It's getting old. Amy, the other day we were in Las Vegas. Amy bought some candles. She goes, ooh, smell this. Okay. I can't smell it. I can't taste. Well, I could taste things, but sometimes they taste really good and sometimes they taste really bad and and so what I've been doing is I've been praying I said okay God you can heal this yeah. and so I've been declaring God my taste and smell are healed now I have a choice I could sit here and be mad at God and I'd shake my fist and go why haven't you healed me yet God or what I could do is say my God is a healer and I am healed yeah. in Jesus name so, well, isn't that denial? No. I'm speaking those things are not as though they were. Read Rome, uh, Romans chapter 4. That's exactly what God did according to Abraham. 
And so what are you saying? It's I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. I'm saying, you know what, God, I believe that you can do this. So when we go into these moments where we're wondering, where is it all at? We can, we can, we can uh, uh, come into this place where we get discouraged and we begin to lose our trust. And you say, well, why is that? Because our experience is not living up to the promise. Now, I don't know if we will ever be able to answer the questions of why. But there is an answer, but I don't know that it will be satisfactory to everybody. But here is the answer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. See, church, it's a decision. It's a decision. We have been given everything, he told us. Everything. It's in your possession now. It may not be in your reality, but it is in your possession. It is in the account. All of it. I read a story the other day that really touched me and I thought would be appropriate for this message. And I want you to listen to this story. A young man from a wealthy family was about to graduate from high school. It was the custom in his family that the parents of their children that graduate would receive an automobile. Bill and his father had spent months looking at cars. And the week before graduation, they found the perfect car. On the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. When Bill opened it, he was so angry that he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house. He and his father never saw each other again. Then the news of his father's passing brought Bill home again. And as he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he was about to inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him so many years earlier. As he brushed away the dust and opened up the Bible, he found the cashier's check dated for the day of his graduation and the exact amount of the car they had chosen together. I wonder how many Christians that's their story. I wonder how many times we've tossed away great and precious promises because we didn't understand them, because they didn't come the way we wanted, or they didn't come when we wanted. So many of us have been on the receiving end of broken promises. Family, friends have all made promises they didn't keep. And in the end, we begin to develop a mindset that says promises are cheap. And the result is we treat the promises of God with little more than a pass passing fascination. So I believe God meant what he said when he says, I've given you everything. You are not lacking. You say, well, you don't know my life. No, I, know, I don't know your life, but I do know God. Amen. And he's given you everything. Amen. He's given you everything. He is faithful to his promises. The Bible says in Psalm 34, or 33, verse 4, for the word of God is right and true. He is faithful in all he, did, all he does. Joshua 21.45 says this, not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God are in, him, are in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Listen to those words. What is he saying to us? He's saying, look at I've given you everything. I've given you everything you need. You are lacking nothing. John Piper said this. He says, the Christian faith is not merely a set of doctrines to be accepted, but it's power to be experienced. So the question then comes to us, why is it that we're not seeing these problems? Promises. Why is it that we are still struggling? Why is it that 
We're not seeing them like we want. The interesting thing is, is it really is about maturity. It's about growing in him. Think about it this way. We've talked about this before. Think about a child that has parents that unfortunately pass away, but they leave to their child everything they own. The problem is, is the child actually owns everything, but the child does not have the maturity to steward everything. So only that which the child is able to deal with can be given to him. He has to have a steward over him. He has to have somebody that helps him. And oftentimes in Christianity, that's the, that's the very thing that's going on. We have inherited the entire kingdom of God. Can you say amen? We've inherited everything. We have inherited all that God has for us, but we are just not ready. I was thinking about this and I was wondering what God is really trying to communicate to us. And he's trying to communicate to us it's time to grow. See, maturity is not measured by how easy your life is. But maturity is measured by how well you go through the dark days. See, all of us are going to struggle. All of us are going to have. Jesus said it. He said, in this life you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. There are going to be days when people hurt your feelings. There are going to be days when things are done that you don't agree with. There are going to be days when you're going to feel setback. There are going to be days when you don't understand what's going on around you. And the question is, how will you get through those and will you trust God through it? What will your reaction be? I'll give you a couple examples. Jesus, who often turned everything upside down, one day was preaching a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 5, about verse 44, 42, 44, somewhere in there, he says this, You have heard it said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. He says, but I didn't say that. He says, what I say is love your enemy. Now that's a tall order, church. Because who is an enemy? And an enemy is anyone that we perceive is against us. Now the Bible tells us clearly, and this is an odd thing, but the Bible tells us clearly we don't fight against flesh and blood. And so the people in our life who are hurting us are never our enemy. They are motivated by a power that's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our recognition at times. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to put that into the hands of God. But he says in that moment, even though that person is on the side of an enemy, you need to love them. Well, that's hard. We went to Vegas uh, Friday, Kathy and I and Amy and uh, Alex. We went to Vegas to go see Kathy's sister and have dinner with them. And we're driving around and doing our thing. And so we're, I, I don't know what road we're on. We're on one of those roads and, and we're at the stoplight. And, and, and it was kind of crowded. The, the, the lanes were rather narrow in this place. I don't know why, but they were. And I see in my rearview mirror somebody coming down the turn lane. And I can see they ain't, we ain't fitting. My truck, their car, we ain't fitting. But they just kept going, and they put their foot in it. And their mirror hit my mirror. Bah! Wham! And my mirror went over and snapped back. Didn't damage it, thank God. But everything inside of me started tightening up. And, I, and they didn't stop. They kept going. It's like, you hit my car! So the light turned green, and now they are stopped. They're stopped at stoplight, and I am, I am having to decide very quickly because I'm going, Alex is in the car, Alex is in the car. <laughs> Not only is he my brand-new son-in-law, he's on staff here, and I'm like, what are you going to be, pastor, Christian, idiot? What are you going to be? And everything inside of me is, and I, so, so I'm, I'm, what I'm wanting to do, what I might, what my flesh wants to do, my flesh wants to just, my, my truck's 14 years old, I don't care. You know what the good thing about having a car that's paid off and you don't care about? You can ram people. You know, just, 
You just, you just go smash them. You go, oh, you wanted to hit the mirror? Well, I'm going to up you. I'm going to take your whole door off. I'm going to take it all off. And you got a lot nicer car than I do. And so I'm thinking, dear God, what am I going to do? And this is happening in seconds. And I'm praying, God, help me. So what I elected to do, because dro- we drove up, the light's green, person is sitting at a, the turn signal, and I can't even believe they don't even look at me. But their window is down. Oh, you're going to be able to hear my window's down. So I pointed my finger at them. They didn't see. My finger, that one. I just pointed. That's all I did. I felt satisfied with the point. Amy goes, did you flip them off? I said, no, look at I pointed. That's it. And we laughed and, you know, and I, you know, was trying to work on my mirror. It didn't hurt it. It's not broke. It's not even scratched. Can't even tell. But something rose up inside of me, man. I'm telling you, I wanted to just knock them out. Jesus says, love them. Oh, and by the way, forgive them. What? Forgive them. Forgive them. See, this is when I'm talking, look at church, remember what I'm talking about. Don't, don't get lost in my rhetoric today. Understand the pathway I'm talking. What are we talking about? We're talking about great and precious promises. We want them. Not only do we want them in our possession, we want them to manifest in our lives. The manifestation of those great and precious promises come in the result of maturity. As we walk in Him and grow in Him, more and more is released. Okay? That maturity doesn't come through just knowing lots of theology. That maturity comes when we take what we learn in the Bible and begin to work it out and live it out in our daily lives. Things like loving your neighbor and loving your enemy. Forgiving those that have hurt you. Forgiving them. See, that's where maturity comes. That's where promises are released. Sometimes we live such a flat Christianity and we go, why is it? Because you're still operating like a kindergartner. Well, I've been in church 50 years. Okay. You've grown one. 50 times over. Is that too, is that too hard? Do you say, why are you doing this? I'm saying this because I want you to see those great and precious promises happening in your life. I want to see God moving in you in ways that are unthinkable. I want to see God touch your life. I want your marriage whole, your family whole, your children saved, your home blessed. I want your bodies healed. I want your minds free. I want to see all of that. But oftentimes, church, it doesn't happen because our immaturity is getting in the way because we're mad and unforgiving. I'm going to share a story with you, and then I'm going to be done. So if Jason wants to come. I've had to deal with this issue of unforgiveness in my life. And it's something that I deal with daily, every day. I pray certain prayers, and I speak to it, and I forgive and do this every day. Because I don't want one, one ounce, one atom of bitterness in my life. I don't want anything separating me from God. I want to tell you a story that happened to me about seven years ago. And this was a real challenge. So seven years ago, I'm in the office and a person come into my office and wanted counseling. They were struggling. And they came in and they told me that they were still struggling with drugs and addiction and stuff like that. And so as we talked and I understood that a lot of their problem was in response to what seemed to be like triggers and stuff like that. So I, I said, well, what's, what, tell me what's going on in your life and what's happening. And the person told me, he said, yeah, well, I'm really busy, really, really busy. I said, what are you really busy with? And they said, well, you know, I've got several ministries of evangelism and I'm counseling marriages and all of that. And so I listened and I said, well, that's, that's great, that's wonderful. I said, but here's an idea. It's quite possible 
that you are stepping out into arenas that you're not ready for yet. Not because you're a bad person or anything like that. It's because you haven't come to a place where you've worked out the things in your life that need to be worked out. I said, so how about we do this? I said, here's, here's my counsel to you. I said, what if we put the evangelism to the side just for a moment? Just set that on the back burner. Let that just simmer for a little while. Don't worry about marriage counseling right now. Let's, let's work on you. Let's work on the issues in your life. I said, yeah, you know, don't, don't, don't really go headlong into this anymore. The person looked at me and says, oh, man, that's such good. That's thank. Can I do that? And I said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's okay. Let's do that. About four hours later on Facebook, the person posted a thing that says, well, some pastor in town told me I got to stop telling people about Jesus. So here's all my evangelism stuff. Anybody that wants it can have it. Oh, there's all my Jesus stuff. So immediately Facebook begins to respond. People started responding going, you know, that pastor ought to go to hell. That pastor isn't even a pastor. He ain't even a Christian. Who would ever tell you in their right mind as a Christian to stop? I didn't tell her that. So I told her. Even people from this church were responding. They just didn't know it was me. <laughs> What'd you do? Prayed. Said, Jesus, you know what I said. And you know the motive of my heart. And so I released them. And I release everybody that wrote anything, including the members of my congregation. You deal with it, God. Because I'm not going to be under its spell. It took me a while. I had to pray that prayer for a while. And at moments, I would rise up and it would get on me and squeeze my heart. But then I would pray. And what I would do is I would walk out. Look at, listen to me. I would walk out what the Bible said. Church, we got to stop looking at the Bible as a suggestion. It's His Word. If he says, do this, then do that. If he says, don't do this, then don't do that. We got to walk it out. Well, I'm happy to say that that person, I have a great relationship with, everything's good, no problem. They're actually free of drugs today and on and on. But the reality is I had a decision to make. I knew that the people that were responding online had no idea. They had no clue what was going on. They were just simply responding to a comment that's out of context. Yep. That's what we mostly do, church, and we got to stop that. But I also knew that really this wasn't about her and this wasn't about them. This is about God wanted to work something out in me, and he gave me an opportunity to either walk in maturity or to linger in infancy we want the promises of God we want the blessing of God and God wants to pour it out he wants to give that to you more than you want it but church we got to start taking a look at our Christianity now look at I know there's people that could take this and go oh man he's preaching No, this is a blessing you say, why is that? Because I, I love you. I care about you. I want you blessed. I want your family whole. I, I want your children saved. I want your body healed. I want you to have more money than you know what to do with. I want God to be 100% God in your life. But he is not going to do it alone. He said, you are a part of this with me. We are co-laborers in the kingdom. You are my son and my daughter, and I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. We have to let go of our commitment to spiritual infancy.
We have to step up, church. We're living in times. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? This all could blow over. It all, they, they could, you know, all of this, we can one day wake up and the news go, well, on to something else. It could. We've seen it before. This also could move us into a place where we're going to have to make some really hard decisions. I'll say this and then I'll be done. See, anyone can say, I'd die for Jesus when the bullets ain't flying. Let me ask you a question. Instead of dying for him, could you live for him? He's the only one that needed to die. He just wants you to live. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Jesus. God, we give you glory and we give you honor. And we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and minister to us. God, that you would challenge us. God, that we would not take this wrong or, or, or somehow as an insult or somehow as an indictment. But, Lord, that we would take this as a, a, an admonishment, Lord, to, to step up one step higher. To walk in that place where you, God, would begin to pour things out into us. Father, we thank you, God, for your revelation. And we ask that you minister to us. And I wonder, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, but you'd like to give your life to Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand up real quick? Amen, I see that hand. Anyone else, would you lift your hand up? Amen, I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen, I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen, I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? I want you to all pray a prayer with me. I want you to say this, particularly you that raised your hand. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask you to remain seated just for a moment. I'm going to ask our ministry team to come. Please don't move around yet. We're not done just yet, almost. Our ministry team, if they would come, they're going to stand up here. And for those of you that raised your hand, I'm asking you to do one, one step further. Is As we dismiss, would you come up and talk to these and let them pray for you? Because we really do want to touch your life and help you. If you would come up and do that. For the rest, if you have, if you have a need of prayer, healing or deliverance or forgiveness or provision, whatever it might be, come on up and let them pray for you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.